0: Amen. That was good. Amen. Bow the knee. What a wonderful message and wonderful song. Amen. Done so well as well. Well, take your Bible, turn over to the book of Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 today. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, we've been dealing with steps to joy. Steps to joy. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, and then we're going to just read that verse and then we're going to kind of Have a word of prayer. We're going to kind of jump off into another area a little bit, and eventually we'll get back to our study. But I trust it will be an encouragement and a blessing to you. We're so glad you could be a part of the service. And if you're visiting with us, as has been said over and over again, we are thrilled to have you with us. It's a blessing to have you in our presence today, and we are honored. And um, we always look forward to uh, visitors coming, but we also appreciate and cannot say how much we appreciate our faithful members and those that attend on a regular, consistent basis. Again, we don't just take that lightly either. We're so grateful to the Lord for giving us such a faithful people and such a faithful church. And so nonetheless, Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, Psalm 16, verse 11, That would shew me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What a tremendous passage, and I believe personally as we look at that particular passage, uh, we can't help but note that it's in the presence of God that we find fullness of joy, and boy, I'll tell you what, that's the key to everything today. Someone says, I want joy in my life, well, you're going to have to find it in one person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and so let's go ahead and take our Bibles now and look over to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I want to look at a man's life for just a few moments, and I want to consider him and his pursuit for joy, his pursuit for happiness, and his pursuit for fulfillment and satisfaction in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, we're introduced to a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon. I feel like there's a ring. I don't know if I'm hearing it or if it's, it's, it's out here. You hearing a ring a little bit? Can we do something with that, gentlemen? Fix that? Thank you. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going to look and begin in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 11 in the book of Ecclesiastes. And again, uh, the the man Solomon, what an amazing character Solomon is uh, in the Word of God. It says, he said, I said in mine heart, chapter 2, verse 1, go to now, I will prove thee with myrrh, uh, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth. Uh, What doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was the good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them and all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the particular treasure of kings and of the provinces. I gave, get me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great, and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatsoever mine eyes desired I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, And on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Look, if you would, in verse 26, it says, For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up, that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Now, I want to notice a couple of things in the passage today as we do kick this message off as we move forward in our series. First of all, notice purpose. In the passage, he's seeking fulfillment. He's seeking satisfaction. He's seeking joy. He's looking for something that will fulfill him. And that's true in all of our lives. Every last one of us want those kind of things to be uh, to, met, those needs in our lives met. We all want fulfillment. We all want satisfaction. We all want to experience peace. We all want to know joy. And that's the same case here with with Solomon himself. Now Solomon, of course, was a great man. We know that he was a king of Israel. We understand that he had assets and he had uh, 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 things at his disposal that maybe you and I don't have. And in this particular case, we see, however, no matter how rich he was, no matter what he possessed, his real purpose, his real desire was for fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy. I tell you this right now, you can have all the money in the world and still be miserable. Notice pursuit. Again, his purpose was to find fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, to find something worth living for. And notice his pursuit was pleasure. He sought it in pleasure. He sought it in projects. He sought it in possessions or even particular treasures, he puts it. He sought it in people and he sought it in his performance. He sought it in preeminence and and his position in which he held. He sought this kind of uh, um, validation. He sought this purpose and he sought the reason to live and this joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. But he was seeking it in the things that he could see, touch, and feel. He failed to see it in God at first. Notice his pronouncement here. He says it was all vanity. It was all vexation of spirit. It meant nothing. It added up to nothing. It was empty. There was nothing to it. As much as I had, as much as I held, as much as I possessed, it meant nothing to me in the end. And boy, I mean to tell you, he himself had experienced everything that one could possibly imagine. I mean, having richness and having men and maidservants, having all the things that the world says is success, he still came up empty. And he said all was vanity, in verse 11, and vexation of spirit, And his pronouncement, he ultimately concludes in verse 26. For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom, and knowledge, and joy. There it is again. Thou wilt shew me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Don't lose sight of what the real foundation for joy is. Don't ever miss that that joy is found in a person And it's not just simply the product of something we do or say. It's in a person, Jesus Christ. And no matter what, as as we break it down and we say, well, these are the steps of joy. And we'll note just a couple that we've already discussed and then go on to the next. But the fact is, is that when it's all said and done, you can sum it up in one word, Jesus. And someone says, well, Jesus, I thought it was in God. Jesus is God. Thou wilt shew me the path of life in thy presence as fullness of joy. Understanding that lasting joy is a byproduct of the presence and the personal relationship that we have with God, the Lord Jesus Christ, we must first go to Calvary where we can meet the Master. There we got to humbly cry out to our God for mercy and we must find His grace, His saving Grace. I mean, he washes, us, he washes us from our sin. He cleanses us from our sin through the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He saves, he saves our sin-sick soul from the awful penalty of sin and from a lifetime of misery and woe. He includes us in his family. He invites us into his home. He provides us with an inheritance and he keeps us by his power. He does all of that when we come to him by faith in Christ Jesus. Salvation. There is no way if joy is found in a person, Jesus Christ, that we're going to experience lasting joy if we aren't saved or born again or in the family of God and one of the children of the Lord. If we're not his child, if we've not involved ourselves in his relationship with him, we'll never experience joy. So if you're lost today and you've never trusted Christ, you've never received the Lord into your life as Savior, I'm telling you today that you're on a quest, you're on a mission seeking and searching for joy, satisfaction and fulfillment that you will never truly find without Jesus Christ. You need Him today. He's the solution. He's the answer. And you find Him by trusting and receiving Him as your Lord and Savior today. And then He Himself, the Bible says, will ultimately move into your life. And we said not only do we need that relationship with the creator of the universe and that it begun at the point of salvation when we truly trusted and received him as Savior, but we then need to surrender. We said if we want to experience a lasting joy, we need to surrender ourselves to God. And what that literally means or what that simply means is that we must run up the white flag and give ourselves both mind and body to him. Our plans, our goals, our dreams for our lives must be abandoned, if you will, and replaced with His plans and His goals and His dreams for our life. Why does this seem difficult at times? Why is it so hard? Well, we question whether the joy we'll have in Him will surpass what we presently possess or might have to give up. You know, we really, we struggle. Can I trust God with my future? Can I trust God with my my happiness? That's really the reality. And in many cases, we come to the conclusion that I'm afraid to yield control to Him. I'm afraid to simply turn my life over to Him and run up the white flag of surrender because I'm afraid of what He'll require of me. I'm afraid of what He'll demand of me. I'm afraid of where He'll take me. I like what I have to some degree. as though Although it's not everything I want, it's better than what He might give me. I've heard about those missionaries get stuck over in some foreign field. I'll be living in a grass hut somewhere and have a dirt floor if I surrender to him. First of all, there's not too many missionaries living like that anymore. But the truth is, is you can trust the Lord Jesus Christ with your future and your present. The truth is, is that we should gladly surrender because that's what Christ deserves from us. I mean, after all that he has done on our behalf, he deserves us completely, fully surrendered. Now, we've said already that if we're going to experience joy, we need salvation. Because it's a relationship, it's a person, Jesus Christ, that brings joy. He's the root of it, he's the source of joy. He is joy for us. But then we need surrender because what good does it do if we don't yield our life to him, if we don't give him ourselves so we have the Lord in our life as Savior but we don't let him sit in the driver's seat? I mean, it can't be any lasting joy in our lives if we're constantly at battle with the Lord for property rights. It's not going to happen. And so we see salvation. We note that, the need. If we're going to experience lasting joy, we need salvation. We need surrender. But you know what else we need tonight? Number three, we need spirit filling. To be spirit filled. If we really are going to experience the joy that God intends for us to experience, we're going to embrace that joy and truly live our lives victorious on the part of Christ and enjoying the blessings of God and really experiencing the joy that He had intended for us, we must be Spirit-filled. Take your Bible, if you would, look over to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 19. Galatians, chapter 5, verse 19 through 23. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you now over these next few minutes. May you just speak to our hearts and encourage us from it. Lord, again, we need you. Lord, may you fill me with your spirit and allow me to be your mouthpiece today. God, help me, Father, just to yield to your spirit and allow him to speak through me. Lord, may your word go forth with great power and unction. And Lord, we'll thank you as you accomplish much in each life. And again, Lord, each life has something unique and different about it, and the need is slightly different. But Lord, help us to understand that if we're going to truly experience lasting joy in our life, it will not be apart from you. It will only be in relationship to you. Lord, bless us now in these moments. And if there be someone that is without Jesus Christ, has yet to receive him and accept him as Savior and Lord, has not been regenerated, it's not been born again into the family of God. Father, may they settle that before they leave today. And for us as believers, Lord, may we make up our mind to simply reckon it to be so that we are already indwelled and that we need to simply yield to your spirit and experience your fullness. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Notice what it says here. It says... <clears throat> peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Again, in this particular passage that we just read, we see a a contrast between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. It's quite obvious, this contrast. It's not hard to note or see. The passage reveals what the manifestation of the flesh produces. If we're going to walk in this flesh, if we're going to appease the flesh, if we're going to yield to the flesh, then he says there's going to be evidence of that. There's going to be a manifestation as a result of that. And that manifestation are the works of the flesh, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immunity, Rash strife, seditions, and heresies. He says, and guess what? Envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. I'm telling you, he says, if you give in to that flesh, if you yield to that flesh, if you turn around and walk in that flesh, if you will, then guess what you're going to get? There it is. Listen, you only need to pick up the paper, watch the news, see posts and videos on the internet in order to prove that the Bible's true. It's not hard. All you have to do is take a look. All you have to do is look around you and you'll see evidence of the manifestation of the flesh all around us. Why does God let good things happen to bad people? Well, why do people allow their flesh to rule them? This isn't about God. This is about mankind. And the fact is today is that even as a believer, we can allow the flesh to have its work in our life. We can yield to the flesh. We can surrender to the flesh. We can allow the flesh to have control of our life. And if we do, then we're going to see the manifestation of the flesh. But on the other hand, the passage points out the fruit of the Spirit. Again, now we see the manifestation of the Spirit in our life. And that is far different than the manifestation of the works of the flesh. In this particular case, we note, and I love this, we see that that the the fruit of the Spirit or the manifestation of the Spirit in our life, yielding to the Spirit, submitting to the Spirit, obeying the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, provides love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. But I want you to note the first three, love, joy, and peace. Now, I might be wrong about this, but I have this sneaking suspicion That everybody in the room is searching for love. Everybody in the room is searching for joy. Everybody in the room is seeking peace. And I'm going to tell you something. We continue to search for those things in people. We continue to search for those things in places. We continue to search for those things in other elements other than the Spirit of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact is today is that whether you are a child of God or not... The truth is that you need the Lord Jesus Christ in your life if you really want lasting joy. And as a believer today, you can search the world round just like Solomon did. You can have the biggest business that there is in the United States of America. You can have more money in your bank account than anybody else. You can go ahead and have uh, all the kind of people around you to to just be at your beckoning call. You can have beautiful music and wonderful uh, this and wonderful that, but I promise you this, you'll not have lasting joy until you get the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Oh, you can have periods of joy, if you will. But lasting joy comes through him. How do we obtain this gold mine of joy? We we obtain them in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. So when a person places their personal trust in Christ, the Bible says that they become a child of God. And they're saved from their sin and the consequences of it. The Bible goes on to teach that that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, indwells them. He literally takes up residency in their life, in their body. In the book of John, chapter 14, turn there if you would please. John chapter 14. So much of Faith or religion today has a tendency to somewhat be, I guess, elusive. It's not very practical. And unfortunately, that's not how the Bible was written. The Bible was meant to be very practical. But, but it's almost like there's this, like, you know, the Spirit of God.
1: Do, 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 do.
0: You know, it's like, ah, let me give my divining rod and find the Spirit. We know what that's like. We were out here looking for uh, sewer not long ago, about a year ago. You'll see there's still a hole we have to clean up and fix. But, man, we're out there with a with the divining rod. You, you know those, uh, those, you know, you take a, a stick? Actually, a coat hanger, right? We use the old coat hanger method. You get that old coat hanger, and you, you bend it up a certain way or something. I can't remember how it, it shapes up. But, anyway, we would out there holding that, that thing, you know, in your hand, you know. And that thing's going, <laughs> that thing really works. Kinda. <laughs> There's a few holes out there proving that every once in a while it wasn't right. But anyway. <laughs> we, we, we had no, no direction. We had no plans. There was no, the city had no, nothing on record or anything. So we're out there going blind, you know. I mean, not mean that we're going blind, but that we were out there blindly trying to find sewer lines. I still see these guys, you know. And I tried it too because it was pretty cool, you know. And I, if I'm not saying, you're just holding that bad boy, yeah, you well, how's that work again? Tell me how it works. It, it oh, on both sides, that's right. You bend it a little bit, right? You bend, you bend it, and then you, you cut a little L, and then you kind of and, and then you, you just you hold them like this, so it's like an L, like that. And you hold them, and you kind of spin them around, and you hold them, and then you kind of walk, and they start going. There it is, mark it. That's what we did. <laughs> some of it worked, some of it didn't. Like I said, it just was kind of, you know, a little hit and miss. But here's the problem. We had a bunch of extra sewers that were abandoned. So it was showing a sewer all right, but they hadn't been used in years, and we were digging them up. <laughs> but that's not how this is with the Spirit of God. God. It's not some quest with some divining rods, if you will. We have a divine word that outlines and defines for us how to enjoy the fullness of the Spirit, how to obtain this goldmine of joy. And first of all, we note in John chapter 14 that from the very moment we trust Christ, he literally moves inside, takes up residency. And I will pray the Father, verse 16, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth and not neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter six, verse nineteen and twenty, it, it, the the apostle Paul says, "What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in, in your body and your spirit, which are God's." He says, "Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost." Literally, the moment that you received and accepted Jesus Christ into your life, He took up residency. He moved into this whole body. This is His house now. He lives here. And someone says. That seems so weird. That seems so, so kind of like, like some kind of scary movie almost. No, it's not. It's God's word. It's true. He literally lives inside of me today. The God of heaven that created the universe lives in me if I've indeed trusted and received him as my Lord and Savior. And may I say he lives in you today too. But just because He lives in us, just because we possess Him, doesn't mean He has control. And and it doesn't mean that we're experiencing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So how are we to obtain this gold mine of joy then? He lives in us, and we have access to the Father. Why is it that we so struggle at times with joy in our life? Well, how can we find that joy? How do we experience that joy? Well, do you realize that you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God the same way that you became a Christian? By faith? And I know this is a kind of a foreign thought, but the truth is is that you were saved by faith. You became a Christian by faith, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit by that same kind of faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Do you realize that being, be, be, being saved really has nothing to do with you? It has everything to do with him? He did the work in your life. He's the one that saved your soul. You just simply exercised faith and said, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. I believe you'll wash my sin away if I ask. I'm trusting you, def- depending on you, and only you to get me to heaven and to be my Savior and Lord. And He will. By faith, save your soul. So you receive Christ by faith. You live by faith, the Bible says. You're supposed to, and so am I. Everything we receive from God, from the very moment that we are birthed spiritually until the day we die, is by faith. There's not one thing that we deserve. God doesn't owe us anything. The fact is is that everything we have is by faith now. Our journey is a faith journey. It's not by sight, it's by faith. And I get saved by faith. I walk by faith. I receive the power of the Holy Ghost by faith. I'm walking in the Spirit by faith. Everything I do is by faith now. And everything you do is by faith. And you know when we get into trouble? is when we stop walking by faith and we walk in the flesh. We complicate this matter of the filling of the Spirit or the fullness of the Spirit in our lives. We often feel again, like I said, that we got a war with God somehow. In order to be filled, we're gonna to have to somehow convince God that we're worthy of it. Really, we're worthy of it. We've got to somehow convince him and persuade him to fill us with his spirit. Oh, God, you got to fill me. I, I, I need power to serve you, God. It's all on me. I've got to get this done, and I need your spirit. I need your power, and, and I'll step night and day and night and day. And listen, be careful. Be careful. He already lives in you. And I want you to notice something very important here. Look in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It's interesting because there's never been a command that God's given us that he hasn't that he that he hasn't made provision for us to fulfill it. Like he's not going to ask us to jump over the Empire State Building in our own strength if he knows he's not going to give us the ability to do so. God's not like that. He's not going to require something of you that he doesn't empower you to perform. Now watch what happens here in Ephesians 5.18. We're given a command. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We understand what that means. When someone is, is in excess of alcohol, when someone has been drunk with wine, what happens? It takes charge of them. It controls them. It determines how they speak and how they function. It even determines how they walk sometimes. And he's saying, don't allow that to control you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead, be engulfed and submerged in the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to control you. Allow the Spirit to determine how you speak and how you walk and how you live and how you respond. He says that's a command. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. With the Spirit. That's a command. And so within we say, yeah, I'm having a hard time. This being filled with the Spirit seems so complicated. And I don't know too many people that are. And I'm not even filled with the Spirit. And, and I don't get it. And I don't understand it. Maybe it's because we don't understand it. That is the problem. The truth is he already lives in you. And he's given you a command now. Be filled with the Spirit. And what's he really saying? Allow the Spirit to control your speech Allow them to control your thoughts. Allow them to control your life. Allow them to control your, your direction. We don't have to bargain or barter with God about being filled with the Spirit. But the ground does need to be prepared. The soil needs to be prepped. There are some aspects of being filled with the Spirit that are absolutely necessary. You cannot be filled with the Spirit or allowing the or say the Spirit is controlling you or directing you. If certain things are true in your life, let me just share a couple of things here. We might have the indwelling of the Spirit, but we don't necessarily experience the fullness of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit. And again, we have to prepare our heart if we want God to truly have control of it. So, number one. Here it is, just a couple things. Number one, you must desire to live a life that will please the Lord. I mean, this is on you, that part of it. You have to have a desire to, to, to live a life that pleases the Lord. I mean, if you're telling me today that you really don't care what God thinks, you want to live your life the way you want to live it, you don't care about what the Word of God teaches and what it says. And by the way, listen to me, and may I be very clear on this. It's important that you realize that you don't have the right to define the Word of God yourself. You don't have the right to say, this is what I believe it says, and this is what I think it means. And for me in my house, this is where I see it falling. I, I don't see it the way the pastor does. I don't see it the way the Bible says it. I don't even see it the way Jesus taught it to his disciples. I, I know what he says about being a servant. I know what he says about, you know, dying to self. And I understand all that, but he doesn't mean this for me. Okay. I'll live for God with conditions. Oh God, I'll, 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 I want to please you as long as you don't ask me to do this. Or you don't demand this of me. Or you don't call me to, to do this. I'm fine with everything else. But just don't, I don't want to, no, I don't want to do that. And I don't think that, I don't, shouldn't have to do that. And you don't get to decide what pleases God. You know what, some of you guys in the room, you struggle with your marriage, you want to know why? Because you think you have a right to decide what pleases your wife. I have a right to decide. I don't think that's a problem. So guess what? Too bad. I don't see that as a necessary area of of work. I I don't know why you're so bent out of shape about that. Oh, really? So she doesn't have the right to have an opinion. She doesn't have the right to feel the way she feels. She doesn't have a right to say, this is what pleases me. This is what doesn't please me. Well, that's what? If it does if listen, I like doing what I'm doing. If that doesn't please you too bad, you got to get over it. Isn't that funny? We'll do that to our wives. But what's so tragic, we'll do that to God. And that's, that's really the problem. This thing needs fixed, by the way. That, that's the real problem. And so you and I, and whether you're a lady or a guy, listen, we, we don't, you don't tell somebody else what pleases them. They know what pleases them and what doesn't. And we're trying to tell God what pleases Him. Well, I please God when I show up when I show up. I please God when I do what I do. I please God when I think the way I think. That's good enough. Really? Is that what he's saying or is that what you're saying He, th- he pleases him? Just saying you better be careful with that. So you've got a desire to live a life that will please the Lord. In Matthew 5, 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Thirst, hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want what God wants. I want my life to be pure. I want it to be clean. I want what God wants. Jesus emphasizes the need that we're hungry and we're thirsty for righteousness. I mean, have you ever really been hungry? I mean, really hungry. It is amazing how desperate we can become when when we really have a need for food or drink in our lives. I remember years ago when I was out on maneuvers up in, uh, uh, with the military up in um, Michigan, and we just went away for a two-week two week, uh, period of time, and there I was with the National Guard at the time, actually. I'd already gotten out of, the mil- out of the Army, and so I was with the National Guard. And so we were up there doing our two-week training for the summer, and, and we got out in the field, and what happened was somehow, someway, I don't even know how it happened, but they kind of lost track of us. And, you know, you're supposed to get a hot meal a day. You're supposed to get MRAs. You're supposed to get certain rations given out on a regular basis, consistent basis. We were up there for a couple of days, and our rations ran out, and no food showed up for the first day. And, of course, everybody's got a few things stashed away, you know, ramen noodles and all that, you know. And then another day goes by, no food. I'm telling you, it was about a small group of us, probably about 30 or 40 of us up in this little area, back up in the woods somewhere. And we had, we had communication silence. You, you could talk on the radios and stuff, but you had to have, you know, it, it was all about, you know, your, your, your commanders and the sergeants and all them guys. And so here we are, all of us, privates. Uh, I was a PFC, uh, a, a uh, specialist, they call it that time, an uh, uh, E4, if you will. And I still remember the food hasn't come. It's been three days now, no food. And, and guys are really starting to get hungry, because I brought a lot of extra junk, okay? Because I, I just was, you know, I, I was in a unit, was in our, our call sign was, our, our little statement was, to your prey, always ready, sir. I was going to be ready for that, because I just know how it is, you know? But these guys were starving up there. They weren't eating, and for them, after two days of not eating, it was a lot. And they're losing their minds. Now, again, that ain't much. If some of you guys were in real war, you know that's a lot, that ain't nothing. But, but the fact is, is that here they were, we're not eating nothing. These guys are getting desperate. They want to try to steal Jeeps and stuff so they can get out and go get food and all this stuff. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff trying to get food, trying to pay people to bring food back. Like, why in the world aren't we getting food? It was nuts. I finally got on the radio and got a hold of the general because I got sick of it. Made me mad. And I, I sent a note, and he came down and talked to me. Pick me up and found out that our sergeants and others, boy, I'll tell you what, there were people head rolled that day. Because they like well, you've got to be kidding me. Those guys are eating, but you guys weren't? <laughs> boy, they were bad. It was fun. But anyway, <laughs> it was fun. But But I'm going to tell you something. You get desperate when you don't eat. You get desperate when you get hungry. You know what the problem is probably with us when it comes to being filled with the Spirit? We're not hungry for righteousness. We're not hungry really to please God in many ways of our life. We're very content to... Hold on to the flesh. But we're never going to experience the fullness of joy in our lives or the filling of the Spirit if we don't desire to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And that life is lived in righteousness. Be willing to surrender, number two. Be willing to surrender your life totally and unconditionally to the Lord Jesus. We talked about that last week, so we won't spend any time on it. But you have to yield your plans, your goals, your dreams to Him completely. You're never going to experience the fullness of the Spirit. You're never going to have, the Spirit will not be in control of your life if you're not giving full surrender to the Lord to begin with. So you must desire to live a life that will please the Lord. Number two, be willing to surrender your life totally and unconditionally to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, you have to confess every known sin which the Holy Spirit calls to your remembrance and be cleansed and forgiven. I'll tell you what. How many times have we sat in a service like this and the Holy Spirit of God spoke to our heart about something that needed to go or something that needed to be embraced? And we dismissed it. We said, ah, it's probably just a feeling. I don't want to act on feelings. No, what it really was is that we didn't want to act because we knew that it would cost us something. I mean, righteousness is not something that is is plentiful today in our culture, in our world. It's not. Sin is. Sin is. And I would dare say it's always been that way, but I'll say this, even in the church today, we're really not that anxious to be holy, to be separated unto Christ, to be righteous in our thinking and righteous in our acts and righteous in our actions. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So is there a sin in your life that you're aware of? Is there something that God's been speaking to you about? Whether it's through the reading of the word of God or the spirit of God bringing conviction in your life. Because if there is that thing in your life that doesn't belong there, then my friend, joy will elude you until you put Christ in his rightful place on the throne of your life and allow the spirit of God to have control of you. Number four, you need to ask to be filled. You need to ask. Some people are more apt to ask for things than others. You know, I'm not one of those people that goes to a restaurant and something isn't perfectly right. I don't usually go, Oops. <laughs> That's not me. Oh, by the way, uh, this, uh, this chicken doesn't seem to be perfect. That's not, I, I'm not that guy. Now listen, I'm not, I, you know, I guess I don't, and again, this is just me, but I You know, I don't like to pay a lot of money for food anyway. So, you know, when I get that dollar menu, you know, and it's not perfect, I just kind of let it slide, you know. (laughs) But some people don't like to ask things, you know. That's me. I don't like to ask a lot of things. However, boy, I tell you what, the Lord's pretty clear on a few things. He says in the book uh, book of Luke chapter 11, verse 13, He says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Then I'll tell you what, all of a sudden now, maybe I better learn to ask. I mean, God knows my need, right? Why should I have to ask Him for anything? Because He told me to. He wants to hear it. Listen, I know my kids need shoes every once in a while. I know my kids needed, clo- uh, needed clothes, and I knew they needed food, but every once in a while it was nice to hear them respond. I like to be able to say, yes, let's do that. Let's take care of that. Daddy, can we go out and play? Yeah. Daddy, can we go to the park? Sure. Daddy, can we do this? Eh, okay. I, I like it when they ask, and I can, I can meet that need in their life. And God wants to meet some needs in our life. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because ultimately, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. You get that joy through that filling of the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit in your life. And he says, listen, you ask, do you realize how anxious I am to give you this filling? Do you know how much I want you to have the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in your life? Do you know how excited I am when you come to me and ask for that? He says in James 4, 2, you lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. So much of what we don't have is because we don't ask. Ask to be filled. Lord, I want you to fill me. I, I, I want you to fill me. That's what, there it is. And he's already living in us anyway, the Holy Spirit. I want you to take control. I want you to have leadership in my life. I want filled with the Spirit. I want the presence and the fullness of the Spirit in my life. And then last, you need to respond by faith. Remember we said that the the Christian life is a a, a life of faith? It's a walk. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, the Bible says. Well, now all of a sudden we've, we've come to the Lord. We know He commands us to be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. Okay, God, then obviously you want me to be filled and you're requiring it of me. Okay, I'm going to desire to live a life that pleases you, Lord. I'm willing to surrender my life totally and unconditionally to you, Jesus Christ. I confess every known sin and and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to bring remembrance to me of any area that needs to be addressed and need to be dealt with, that needs forgiveness. I'm asking you now, fill me now, Lord. I've done the prep work. I've prepared the soil. Lord, I'm in a position where, Lord, I believe now you can indeed allow the spirit to rule in my life. I put myself in a place where he can direct me and lead me. I'm asking you, fill me now. Give me the fullness of your spirit. Guide me, lead me, direct me through your spirit. And Lord, it's done. I believe it. By faith, I claim it. I reckon that to be so now. See, we're to walk in the Spirit, by obeying the Word of God and being sensitive to the leadership of the Spirit of God in our lives. You know, you, you don't have to have this, I woke up one morning, I, 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 went, I went and prayed over at the park, and I woke up six hours later, and I felt totally different. Okay, there might be a few people in the world that's had those kind of experiences, but I'm going to tell you something. If you're waiting for that experience to ultimately allow God to have control of your life and to feel as though God is using you and filling you with His Spirit, my friend, you're going to maybe wait in a long time maybe. But I'm going to tell you something. There is no doubt, biblically in Scripture, that he lives in you already. The question really is about will you allow him to rule and reign in your life? Will you permit him to to, to work in in your life, to speak to you, woo you, and, and move you, and ultimately guide and direct and lead you? Will you give him full leadership and control of every aspect of your life? He's already there. You've asked for it. You've prepared the soil. You've readied yourself. You've met every condition that God has demanded of you. And you know what? The only thing keeping us now is just you have not because you ask not. And if you've asked, then by faith you what? Believe. Just like you asked him to save you, he'll fill you. Lord, forgive me. Save me. I come to you understanding that Jesus is Christ. I know that he's the one Messiah. I know that he lived, died, was buried, and rose again the third day. I understand that only his precious shed blood can wash my sin away. And Lord, I also know that you indwelt me with your spirit. Man, Christ lives in me in the person of the Holy Ghost. I want to give leadership to him i want him to have full control of me i want him to guide and lead me and direct me oh god i've prepared my heart i've readied my soul i've washed I've, I've, I've i've confessed my sin i've put myself in a position to receive and accept everything you have for me and so now lord i ask you fill me and you know what by faith i am filled just like by faith i was saved someone says that's crazy that's too easy it's not easy in that you have to prepare the soil. Remember what we said. Listen, is there any sin in your life that you're aware of? Any sin in your life that God is ringing and saying, hear that? Came to your mind, you hear that? Hey, listen, God will, he's as, his voice is as clear as that ring was. The Holy Spirit of God will point it out. He'll put his finger on it. And you know what? As long as we are rebellious, as long as we will fail to yield to that, if we will not give in to it and surrender to that. then guess what? There's no way in the world we can be filled because we're not giving him full control. It's not about God taking control of you. It's not about him going, all right, come on. You're going to go where I want you to go. You're going to do what I want you to do. I'm going to make you desire what I want for you. That's not how being filled works. Being filled says, I want what God wants for me. I want the fullness of his spirit in my life. I want to be totally and completely yielded and surrendered to him and allow him to have leadership in my life completely. And when you ask, he'll do it. But you've got to meet the conditions and the qualifications. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. As we close, let me just say this. He wrote a letter to his sister, and he wrote this. He said this. When my agony of soul was at its height, a sentence in a letter from Dear McCarthy, another man of God that he respected dearly, he said, A sentence in a letter from Dear McCarthy was used to remove the scales from my eyes And the Spirit of God revealed the truth of my oneness, our oneness with Jesus, as I had never known it before. McCarthy, who had been much exercised by the same sense of failure, but saw the light before I did, wrote But how to get faith strengthened? Not by striving after faith, but by resting on the faithful one. He says, How do you get your faith strengthened? Not by striving after it, he says, but by resting on the faithful one. As I read, I saw it all, he said. If we believe not, he abideth faithful. I looked to Jesus and saw. And when I saw, oh, how joy flowed. I saw that he said, I will never leave you. Ah, there is rest, I thought. I have striven in vain to rest in him. I'll strive no more. For has he not promised to abide with me, never to leave me, never to fail me? He says, and dearie, he never wilt. But this was not all he showed me, nor one half. As I thought of the vine and the branches, what light the blessed spirit poured into my soul. How great seemed my mistake in having wished to get the sap, the fullness out of him. I saw not only that Jesus would never leave me, but that I was a member of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Notice he's already there. It's not something he had to try to obtain to. He goes on to say, The vine, now I see, is not the root merely, but all. root stem, branches, twigs, leaves, flowers, fruit. And Jesus is not only that. He is soil and sunshine, air and showers, and 10,000 times more than we have ever dreamed, wished for, or needed Oh, the joy of seeing this truth, I do pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know and enjoy the riches freely given us in Christ. He concludes by saying, I am no longer anxious about anything. As I realize this, he says, for he, I know, is able to carry out his will and his will is mine. It makes no matter where he places me or how. That is rather for him to consider than for me. For in the easiest positions, he must give me his grace. And in the most difficult, his grace must be sufficient. But I'll tell you what, Hudson Taylor was a tremendous missionary to China. But like you and I, he strove and he worked and he diligently tried to see God do mighty works in his life and ministry. But he came to a place where he was being burned out, where he felt like the weight and the burden of the ministry was so great that he didn't know how he could keep going. But he realized something. Rest wasn't found in his effort to find rest. It was only in simply resting in the one he already possessed. That Christ was faithful and that he could trust him and that if he promised that he would do something, he would do it and is doing it. And may I say today that this aspect of being filled with the Spirit, if you want true joy in your life, lasting joy in your life, you're going to need Christ close because joy is found in a person. And the fact is, is that you're going to need to surrender your life and raise the white flag and say, whatever your future is for me, I want it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then you need to say, but Lord, I want the fullness of the Spirit in my life. I want the Spirit of God to direct me and lead me. And may I say, He's already there to do the work. You simply need to prepare the soil and then just simply by faith believe that you are indeed. And the Spirit of God will take control of your life and you'll know what joy is. As long as you keep trying to direct and guide your own life, you will have the burdens of that on your own shoulders. You too will be frustrated like this man of God until you come to the conclusion that he alone is able and willing and by faith will do it for you. Rest in him. Allow his spirit to have control of your life. What is it that's keeping the spirit of God from having control of your life today? What is it? Whatever it is, you need to confess it and forsake it. And you need to choose Christ over everything and everyone else. And then fullness of joy will be yours. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you would help us again today. Lord, we desperately need you in our lives.